When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Vikings have been around since 1961, and we just want them to win a damn Super Bowl before we die. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. What's going on, everybody? This is Before We Die on Score North and Purple Daily Networks. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. Joining us in a little bit is Derek Clausen of the Football Outsiders. But uh, Thor, happy Monday. It is officially football week as the Vikings, quote unquote, will play on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But how's your weekend, man? How's the week looking? It feels like a Monday, I think. It, it it certainly does feel like a Monday, yeah. But the week's going, it started off pretty good so far, and I'm very excited for the Vikings preseason to come back. Obviously, we saw one la- a preseason game last week, but super excited to see them on the field. And then, and then we don't have to do the, the camp reports as much. We can get it with our own eyes, so excited about that. But still a lot to talk about from the camp reports. Again, we'll get into it. Garrett Bradbury looking like maybe not the starter. We talked about it last week. We'll dive more into that. Christian Derrissaw having a great camp on the other hand. So we'll talk a little bit about him and the offensive line in general. But before we get to all of that, let's welcome in Derek Clausen from Football Outsiders. Now, Derek, what's up? How are you? I'm actually doing really well. Finally, you know, I got, you know, a little bit of like a month break before the season. So I'm actually ready to get back into it. Right. As as like football media folks. Right. We don't really have an off season. It's our job to keep you entertained through the off season. So a break is is always luxurious. What would you do with your month off? Um, just kind of went to some concerts, um, went to Vegas, um, which is the first time I've been there for not a work trip. So that was fun. Um, so kind of just traveling around doing some stuff like that. Well, very cool. Thank you for joining us. I know that Thor is incredibly excited. He said you guys get to nerd out. So let's have it, boys. Let's start. What do we want to start with uh, our conversation today? Well, I, Klaus and I, I loved your chapter in the Football Outsiders book this year in the Almanac, your Vikings chapter. And I think you did the other NFC North teams as well. I I would encourage all of our listeners out there to go and check out Football Outsiders to get that book if you already. But I wanted to ask you about your Vikings chapter specifically. Um, you, you talked a lot about the philosophical changes, you know, both on and off the field. You got really in depth with that. I'm curious how you think those changes are going to manifest on the field this coming season, you know, in comparison to what we've seen these past few. I mean, so much of it to me, especially on offense, just really, really hinges on not how they want to use Justin Jefferson, but how much they are allowed to use Justin Jefferson in the way that they want to, because I think they kind of want to make him in the Cooper cup role. And I think if you go back and watch him at LSU, like Justin Jefferson did a lot of lining up inside and blocking. I mean, they ran the hell out of duo. And if you're the inside receiver on duo, you better be blocking. And that Justin Jefferson was the guy for that. 
the problem I find in Minnesota is if they're going to kick him into the slot to do some of that, that probably leaves KJ Osborne as an outside receiver. If you're in three, you know, in three receiver sets, I think that's not good because I think Osborne is effective as like an underneath um, speed guy who can kind of do really well with yak and he can kind of stretch the field from the slot. But I think as an outside receiver, he just doesn't have the bulk and route running skills to consistently be a one-on-one threat like that. Whereas obviously Jefferson, if you put him out there, I mean, there's maybe two guys in the league who are better at that than Justin Jefferson. So I think to me, if we're going to see change, it's going to be putting Jefferson in the slot. It's just like I said, I'm really curious to see how much they think they can get away with it. And I think if we see him really get into that cup role, it'll probably be next year when they get a more legitimate outside receiver in, you know, to replace Jefferson out there. The, you know, speaking with the outside receivers, if, if you do move Jefferson inside, and I agree with you on KJ Osborne, that, that he ought to be in the slot. He's going to struggle more on the outside. The two other top outside receiver candidates be Amir Smith-Marsat and then the guy who has been the early star of camp as far as like the, the rookies lower down, Jalen Naylor, has really been opening people's eyes. Of those two guys, would either of those guys, would you be comfortable having as your outside guy this coming year on the field? I would really prefer if it was like a bigger bodied X type of receiver, because I think ideally, if you're going to kick Justin Jefferson inside, you have somebody else playing X. Thielen can be your Z, who is kind of like your flanker. He can move around, do a lot of stuff. And then you have Jefferson inside. I'm not sure I'm that comfortable with either of those two other players doing that. Because like to me, um, like Smith Marset is really more of a Z. Like, it, And obviously, he's not going to really take over you know, Thielen's role or anything. So um, I think in a pinch, like Thielen probably could just be the X. But again, I'm not sure that's his best role either. So they just have this weird thing where they have these two really good receivers in Jefferson and Thielen, but they don't have the third guy to kind of unlock everything to be exactly what they want it to be. You know, under Kevin O'Connell's new offensive scheme, do you see Jefferson getting the role that he desires, the role that we never saw under the Zimmer regime? I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, but obviously we know offenses can change. I mean, O'Connell is has every high plan for Justin Jefferson, right? I mean, I'm hoping so, because I, I really think you can make a case that behind Devontae Adams, like Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the league. Like, I think just because of all the things like it's not just that, like, you know, on a traits perspective, you know, like, oh, he's a good route runner. He can go up for the ball. Uh, he's good with the ball in his hand. It's that you can move him around literally anywhere. Like he is the ultimate skeleton key receiver outside of Devontae Adams. So I really hope they kind of kick up his um, volume if possible. And again, like, you know, I keep going back to it just because I don't think they have a particularly strong receiver three. They're probably better off just leaning into Jefferson as much as they can. And like, if he leads the the league in uh, targets or at least like target percentage, because they're probably still going to be kind of a run heavy offense, mm-hmm. that shouldn't shock anybody. And that should probably be, you know, what they're striving for. This reminds me sort of of the Randy ratio back in the day. Although yep. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what kind of alliteration you can get on, on the J with Jefferson, but we'll, we'll keep working on that. Klaus, in the, in the book, one of the other things that, that was really sort of opened my eyes in the Vikings chapter was when I turned to it, I was surprised with how bullish football outsiders is numbered. Their, their projection system is on the Vikings this coming season. We all they, were. They, <laughs> to, to be clear, we all were. <laughs> okay, awesome. I, I want you to walk the, the listeners through. I, I'm very curious about this. What inside the projections led to that bullish uh, viewpoint of the Vikings coming season? Honestly, we are not. It's like, it's a really weird scenario because if you actually break it down with like all of just the individual slots, their special teams is like 
pretty good, but it's not supposed to be great or anything. Their defense is supposed to be about average-ish, which if you think about what the unit has been recently, that's about what they've been. You know, I think talent-wise, they had kind of tapered off towards the end of the Zimmer era, and they weren't able to be the top eight units, you know, that they were beforehand. Um, and I think they kind of reloaded on talent enough to, like, make up for the fact that they're losing one of the best defensive coaches in the league. So I think that evened out there. And then offensively, I think we have them. That's, I think, where actually a lot of it comes in is I think they're projected to be like the seventh best offense, which they have been close to that range before. You know, last year, obviously, they weren't. They had some issues. But in the two previous years, I think they were like ninth and tenth. So it's not like they were that far off from that range. So I think it's just we probably think the projections think the defense is going to be a little bit better than I think most people think it's going to be. Um, and then I think the offense is, again, also a little bit higher than it's probably most people. I think most people probably think the Vikings can be, you know, 11th, 12th in offense. But if they're 7th, that would obviously kick them up a notch. I tried to write the chapter in a way that framed it as like, I'm probably not as high as the projections, but I still think they're a really good team. I think to me it was just, I think they had the projections that were slightly higher than Green Bay. And that's really the only issue I had is, is I don't quite think they're better than, than Green Bay. I mean, Thor thinks they're going to win 12 games out the gate. No. Is that a feasible projection then? Does that go along and correlate with what <laughs> you guys are, are projecting in the Almanac? I mean, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that um, if you're going to win the division, which our projections have them slightly to do, that would probably take 12 games like because the Packers are going to be really good. Um, so it would probably take about 12 games. Um, the issue is just like our projections. The way it worked out this year is all of our win-loss totals ended up really conservative, like squished. So like everybody is kind of closer to the middle. So I think their mean projection is only like nine, maybe 10 wins. But that's like, again, it's just a weird projection thing. But I think if we project them to win the division, it would take 12 wins. So I don't think it's that crazy. I just am a little, I just basically, my framing is just, I think Green Bay is going to win the division. So <laughs> that would probably put the Vikings Ooh. at 10 or 11. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm okay. on the wrong podcast to say that. But. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're already sort of getting into it, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, because you've, you've jumped really deep into the NFC Central or the NFC North, of course. Uh, <laughs> going really far back. Yeah. Um, Candy kept that race for me with, with those four teams. Do you see anything with the Lions or the Bears that people should be interested or looking out for? Not the Bears. Like the Bears are just, it's not. <laughs> happening i think talent wise it's just impossible even if i do think they might have gotten better um coaching wise i think especially on offense like i kind of have some interest that luke getsy can actually get this you know at least get the, the train back on the tracks as opposed to whatever was happening last year but talent wise they're just not close the lions i don't think they can win the division or anything i think you know that would be like a one in a hundred shot but like i think they can be maybe squeak into like the very end of the of the wild card race because i think offensively Goff is not ever going to be somebody who elevates a team, but I think the Lions, if they can remain healthy up front, they can have like a top eight offensive line. And then if, you know, you have a good combination of uh, Chark, if Jamison Williams can get healthy, you know, down the stretch, uh, and then Amon Ross St. Brown, and then TJ Hawkinson, like this is an offense that can be in the uh, like slightly above average range, which I think if the defense takes another step forward, that might be a wild card team. I don't know if they're going to get there, but like, I kind of like what this team is. I like it. You know, you mentioned that you think the division goes through Green Bay. 
I hate to say it, but I do too. I mean, yeah. how close do you think Minnesota really can be though? Yeah. Thor, of course, <laughs> going to shake his head. I, I, we're the realist. Somebody's got to be a realistic <laughs> personality here. Um, I mean, how realistic could it be that the Vikings actually could overtake Green Bay? Because as you mentioned, Devontae Adams no longer there, but that's never stopped Aaron Rodgers in the past from having a heck of a season and carrying Green Bay. Um, is it realistic and uh, to see the Vikings possibly winning the division? I know your projections suggest just maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it because I just think Green Bay, I think the difference between my personal opinion and our projections uh, at Football Outsiders is I think the Packers defense is going to be way, way better than we have it projected and a lot of the projection is just like kind of scared of rookie talent mm -hmm. and like Russell Douglas season kind of seemed not sustainable I think it actually is but I think the numbers suggest that it's not um so I think that's what a lot of it is but like I don't know I just think um yeah I just think the Packers are, are just kind of too good I think there's probably like a 30 percent chance Vikings could do it so it's not like off the table it's just that if I were a betting man <laughs> I'm going to take it back. <laughs> what what holds you back from saying more? I mean, is it the O-line? I mean, what really is the major? Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, right? Like that's, again, Thor and I will get into this a little bit after we let you go, Derek. But is that the big scare tactic? I mean, for me, that's what it is without question, right? It's 100% that. Because I think, you know, you can maybe talk yourself into like, Darisaw is going to take like a huge step and maybe Ed Ingram can be a, a good player. But like, it's just a lot of faith in young players um, at this point. So I, that's just more a situation like it could happen, but I really want to see it before I feel good about it. You know, if they play great for the first six weeks, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, maybe the Vikings can win the division now. It's just I kind of want to see that happen. And then I, I do think the defense is a little – where the defense is bad, it's bad. And I especially think the the pass rusher situation, it's probably one of the most boomer bust units in the league. Like we know Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter can be really, really good. Like. At their best, if they're healthy, they could combine for like 30 sacks. It's just how much are you, how many games are you going to get out, of, get out of them and how healthy are they going to be? You know, what percentage of themselves when they're playing are you going to get out of them? That's just kind of the tricky thing to me. And I don't think they have a good number three behind them. So if one goes down, they've got problems. So to me, it's just between the offensive line and some flimsiness with, you know, the edge rusher situation, it just feels like they really, really need health more than any other team in the league. And you can never bet on that. So, yeah, class. And I want to get into the go back to the offensive line and get into the granular with you. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if, the, if you heard this past week, but I think it was Kevin O'Connell. So someone it was either him or Quasi said that the center spot was an open competition, which a lot of us were really happy to hear because in these past couple of years, it's just been Bradbury's job. And he, obviously he stunk the past couple of years. Do you, do you, do you, I mean, how would you handicap th that race? And do you think that Chris Reed, you know, he, he would probably be the next guy in line there. Do you think he can unseat Bradbury? And if we see Chris Reed over an entire season, do you think the Vikings could hope to get maybe league average play out of the center position out of him? Or do you think it's both those guys you're, you're out on? I'm going to be perfectly honest. I do not have a take on Chris Reed. <laughs> um, not a particularly strong one anyway, but I mean, Garrett Bradbury is like, I guess the way I would frame it is it would be a really hard to be worse. So I, I do enjoy <laughs> the fact that it's, uh, they have it in open competition um, because I think at this point we've just seen, I honestly think a lot of the issues, the, the problem is like, I don't know how much better Bradbury is ever going to get because the problem to me is not necessarily mental. It's just, he physically cannot hold up against the best defensive tackles in the league. And I think especially when you have, you know, a division where I actually really like the Lions as young defensive tackles. And then obviously all the dudes that Green Bay is going to have now, like 
if you don't have a dude who can, you, you know, who has some sand in his pants, you're going to have a problem. And so if Chris Reed can be a little bit better in that department, I would feel better about their offensive line situation. But I, I don't know. It's probably not going to be very good either way. Going one spot to the right, we heard this this just over the past couple of days that Ed Ingram has started to get first team reps. He's going up against Jesse Davis for that right guard spot. Do you think Ingram could be, you know, get the Vikings could get league average starting play out of him this year? Or do you think that they should just sort of defer to the veteran at that position early on? I I would really be interested to see. I want them to push Ingram as much as possible and give him as many opportunities because I do think he's a fairly sound and he's a really, really strong player. And I think, like I kind of mentioned with, with Badbury, he, uh, Ingram is kind of the opposite where sand in the pants is not really an issue with Ingram. You know he's going to be able to anchor and kind of move guys. It's just a matter of does he always have the movement skills to – to catch people on some of these zone concepts and stuff, climb to the second level. If he can, you know, make that work for, for his play style, for his body, I think that could actually be really big for this offensive line. So I've never thought much of Jesse Davis. So I really hope Ed Ingram can take the job and play over him. You were the you were the earliest guy last year that I talked to that was in on Cam Bynum. I, yeah. I remember we had a conversation and man, it must have been February. We were talking about defensive backs, and you were like, you got to watch this Cam Bynum guy. This is a hell of a prospect. And he ended, he ended up going higher than people were expecting in the moment, and he ended up playing outplaying his draft position that first year. Now now the Vikings have drafted Louis Seen to compete with him. Do you think that Louis Seen could knock him off in year one, or would you sort of advocate for Bynum continuing to get the, the playing time at least early on? I think Scene can knock him off. I think he was an unbelievable prospect. I think especially coming downhill, he was really good. And then I think actually people undersold what he could do in the back end just because I think with a lot of, you know, the Georgia stuff, I think people really thought, you know, the front is doing everything. But it's like because Lewis Scene was really good in the back end, that's why the front could get home as much as they did. So I actually think he can be really good. But they're in a very luxurious position because I think Cam Bynum is a starting level safety in this league you know I don't think he's the fastest or quickest guy but he is such a smart cerebral player um he's really really assignment sound and he's a hitter um really physical so I think if they you know for the first six weeks of the season or something need Bynum to take a bulk of the snaps he can absolutely do that and then kind of let Steen get a little more of a cushion than most rookies are going to get and then really best case scenario is that scene is good right out of the gate and they can do a lot of three safety stuff I mean most teams just don't have three safeties to to actually do that very well. And I think that could uh, be especially important for, for the Vikings because, you know, they have a lot of youth at the cornerback position. And I think uh, it would be nice if they could, you know, maybe roll to some, some more three safety stuff and get away with it that way. I love it again, Derek Clausen. you know, it all. I, we really appreciate you having us on uh, football outsiders. Where can people follow you and find more of your work and uh, maybe try to change your mind about the Vikings winning the division <laughs> if they so choose. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at QB class. It's class with a K. And then I, you know, yeah, I do stuff at football outsiders and then also be doing some NFL draft stuff with uh, Bleacher Report this year as well. Nice. Well, we'll be sure to have you. Yeah, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be sure to get you back on. We will say adios for now uh, as we as Thor and I dive into a little bit more again about that offensive line, Thor. Before we die, I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. Purple Daily and Score North is where we are on. Find us on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, like, love. Let's talk offensive line. We know what it's all about, guys. It's not good i don't even want to i was going to say not great but it's just not even good at this point let's start with uh garrett bradbury who we talked about 
in last Thursday's episode. Um, and, you know, it looks like it's trending more and more that he's not going to be your starting center for this Minnesota Vikings. That would mean that you were going to hit a correct uh, before we die. Garrett Bradbury is not a starter <laughs> Thor. Um, yeah. But what are your, your thoughts there? I mean, are we surprised that the Vikings are getting closer and closer to pulling that trigger and saying, nah, Bradbury's no go. I, I love that they came out this past week and said that it was an open competition. That's mm-hmm. that's the best sign we could have gotten. The worst case scenario is they go into the offseason, you know, or, or in the camp, like the Vikings have these past couple of years where it's it's going to be Bradbury. He doesn't have any, you know, competition. Or the 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 second worst case scenario is if if the staff had just watched the film from last year and was like, this guy stinks, we're we're, we're yanking the plug without giving him a shot. Because yeah. you know, he still has that shine on him. And coming out of college when he came out of NC State. His special sauce, it's the movement thing. Clausen was talking about Ed Ingram, how Ed Ingram's good at the other stuff, but you're, you you want to see whether he can go out, get the outside shoulder, some of these zone concepts, if he can pick up to the second level and pick off a linebacker. That's the stuff Bradbury excels at, the, the move blocking and stuff. The forklift stuff, you know, getting shoved back into the pocket, that's what he has to clean up. He he gained some weight this offseason, was clearly trying to work on it. But the fact that it's an open competition where the best man is going to win, that's a really good sign for this offensive line. And, you know, do you think it is an issue, The like you had mentioned, new coaching regime, everybody's new, they want to try, make it work. And I think they did do the right thing by giving Bradbury his shot to say, hey, this is your position, but unless you're you're not up for it. And as we know, he's never been good at training camp. So this isn't a surprise. But do you think that's a problem that this new offensive, you know, style of play that the Vikings are looking at aren't able to fix Garrett Bradbury? Or is it because Bradbury simply is who he is? You're going to get what you get out of him. And that's kind of he's met his ceiling already. Yeah, I, I just don't know if it's correctable, the anchor thing. Yeah. We, we don't, don't know. Um, it you know to this point, it has been a debilitating issue for him, uh, an issue that probably should have made him close to unplayable the last couple of years. Even though he got all the snaps, if he can correct, he's never going to be a strong, strong center. Mm-hmm. But if he can at least correct it to the degree where he's not like just you know he gives up five, six sacks just by getting shoved back, or, or you know some of these plays getting blown up because it wasn't just the sacks. Uh, Cousins got got off of his his spot a lot, had to start, you know, scrambling out to the right. And you don't want Kirk having to move there like really quick after the snap when he's going to throw the ball. So it's I, I, let's just say that I'm pessimistic on Bradbury's, you know, the, the idea that he's going to suddenly at least have a mediocre anchor in pass protection. But again, the, the fact that they're going to look at the other guys and play the best guy this coming season I feel I'm, I'll put it this way. I feel much better heading into this season that the best center on the roster, regardless of who that person is, is going to be starting in week one. I don't think that was the case the past couple of years. I think what still scares me a little bit, Jesse and Thor is Thor. You just said the best guy on the roster at center is going to play. That doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> the best guy at center is any good. It just right. means sure. he's the, he's the best of not great options. For years, I joked under the past regime, Rick Spielman and Rick, or excuse me, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, they would get to training camp. They would all gather around for the first practice and Rick Spielman would look at the group and go, ah, crap, we forgot to fix the offensive line again. <laughs> again. And, and, and now I look at the new regime. And again, there's always a bit of a grace period, whether people want to admit it or not. There's always going to be a grace period. Yes, I want the Vikings to win the Super Bowl this season. Do I think it'll happen? No, but stranger things have happened. (laughs) But in general, these guys need to get here and see it, and they need to do their own evaluating. 
But wasn't there enough evidence out there to suggest that there might have needed to be a better backup plan from day one, the first time Quessy and O'Connell got here? Because I'm just not convinced. Okay, great. Bradbury won't play. I'm not convinced that whoever plays will be any better. Right. For sure. Yeah. And, and and I was advocating during the draft with, you knew they were going to take at least one interior guy. They ended up taking Ingram who did not have that position, p- positional versatility with, with center. I, I was hoping that they were going to take a guy that could play both guard and center. Cause you know, in this case, let's say that Jesse Davis ends up winning the right guard job. If you take in the guy with the position flexibility, even if he got beat out at right guard, potentially could have beaten out uh, uh, Bradbury at, at center. Um, they didn't really get a, a, a center prospect like in in the draft that like you know could I mean even have a shot to play you know this year or in the coming years they just didn't really address it so yeah I I was surprised by that but they they got a piece that they think maybe could start you know in in Reed and, and we'll just have to find out about that right and I think you're gonna see that get tested I do I mean I think they're having they're putting at least some confidence in Chris Reed by just saying as you'd mentioned Thor that the competition is open that's got to get him super juiced up let's go let's do this this could be mine uh I want to shift over to Christian Derrissaw who I know everybody's been very very excited about uh I believe he's been drawing comparisons to Trent Williams ladies and gentlemen (laughs) as well woo let's go uh but it sounds like he's been having a great camp and again it's an injecting that confidence in such a young guy but he's still so young are we concerned at all or do we think this is when we do see Darisa take that big step up in in his play and in his career Darisa is going to make a jump forward this year we don't know how far it's going to be uh, it would have to be a, an enormous leap to get up to to Trent Williams but he was already <laughs> as a rookie was an above average starter right left tackle Oh, that a very good sign. And and again, he's going to improve. You know, this was a kid coming out who, you know, he didn't get any scholarship. He didn't have a lot of scholarship offers. He went to um, the uh, military academy the, the year after. And then he started to get some. He got one from Virginia Tech. And he started right away there and was awesome there. You know, but because he didn't have the recruiting pedigree, I think he was, you know, he's been a little bit overlooked all of his life. Um, but the, the positive play last year, it, it sort of mirrored that first year at Virginia Tech. And I'll tell you the thing about his career at Virginia Tech, every single year he got better to the point where at the end of his career, he was, you know, arguably the ACC's best offensive lineman. I, I would expect him to jump up. I'm not going to say Trent Williams. Uh, I'm, I'm an optimistic Vikings fan. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that yet, but this kid is going to be an above average starting NFL tackle for a really long time and might become an all pro. For sure. Well, right. He's just got the raw talent to be there, right? I mean, there is every reason that people should be excited about Christian Derrissaw. Excited to see him going number 23, but he isn't just his second year. I mean, there yep. is that that grace period that we continue to talk about. Trent Williams, amazing. You love to see his name tossed around out there, but again, he's a second year left tackle. So let's do that. But he does. He has just a, a great blend of skills. That's going to be so exciting. Ross, what else you guys? Well, I was just going to say on Darisaw, I think it's fair to say for a guy like him who, who came out and had the injury issue right away, mm-hmm. that his trajectory is going to be tied to how healthy he can stay. I, I don't think many people question that he is going to be at least a capable or starting very good tackle in the NFL, but I, much like, pretty much anybody else in this league. I think a lot of that is going to be tied to health. I know I'm a little concerned about it. It is good to see that last year when they finally got everything straightened out, he was able to largely finish out the year with no issue, but I'm just hoping to see him healthy. If he can stay healthy, that, that helps solidify the line a little bit. Let's be honest. We've talked about some of those issues that may or hopefully may not be present 
it would be really nice if those issues weren't at the tackle positions and those <laughs> issues would start to creep in with injury. So if they can keep guys healthy, I think that is as much of a key to anything for this offensive line, not to be great, but to be good. If they could just be good, I think that dramatically helps this football team. Literally I, I, bare minimum, right? Just be yeah. good. Like be bare minimum. adequate. Can, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the, the positive thing about, you know, these some of these past couple of years heading into camp, it's like you you have the one shirt thing and Brian O'Neill. And then you're like the other four positions, you're like, uh, we're sort of hoping. Now the scenario is you got three of those spots accounted for that you feel pretty good about between Darisaw and then Ezra Cleveland at one of the guard spots. Mm-hmm. You're still trying to figure out the other two. Uh, we're hoping and praying that Ed Ingram emerges as as an above average starter, you know, th- this coming season. And then you'd only be down to the one position, but th- they have done much better building up that line. You guys remember like five, six, you know, four, five, six years ago, where every single year they were picking these super duper big project guys, you know, uh, Willie Beavers, TJ Clemens, th- these guys who tested well, but you know, we're just, they were these like Rob, you know, guys, whatever. Brian O'Neill was the only guy of that ilk that ended up working out. You know, he was a second round pick. Uh, Bradbury, someone even argued that he, that he was sort of in that ilk as, as a really high test or whatever, but obviously they, they sunk a lot of uh, equity into him. But again, just being down to those two spots, if, if the guard position, you know, whether it's, whether it's Ingram, whether it's Jesse Davis, whether Wyatt Davis makes a late run, I'm not confident about that, but you know, they do have guys on that roster. You plug that one and then it's just going to be center. I, I'm not super bullish that they will find their long-term center this year between Reed and, and between Bradbury, but that position should be easy enough to fill in the next draft. I, I say, you know, knocking on wood, because obviously the last, their last foray into picking a center didn't go well. How likely do you think it is that Ed Ingram does make that move and, and gets that right? I mean, like we mentioned, Ezra Cleveland has solidified his spot as a left guard, no question. But do you think Ed Ingram is the guy or do you think Jesse Davis? It seems like people are slowly backing off of Jesse Davis. Not that everybody was all in on that camp, but you do. You're seeing more and more about how well Ingram has played when uh, Davis took that that day. So what are your thoughts there? I, I would love Ingr- Ingram to win that job for multiple reasons. First of all, the upside is just higher with him, you know, and the, the, by extension, the offense is, you know, ceiling gets a little bit higher too. Mm-hmm. If, if he ends up getting there, the other thing is Ed Ingram does not, you know, I was mentioning this before. He's not the most versatile position guy. You know, you're going to play him at one of the two guard spots. Mm-hmm. Jesse Davis is way more versatile than he is. And so if Davis ends up, you know, if, if Ingram ends up winning that job, Davis can go back to doing what he was doing these last couple of years, which is basically like, He's a guy who's going to play a decent amount, but it's as the swing guy for four different positions. So right. he would be your, your top backup at the guard spots, your top backup at the tackle spots. And it seems like they've been okay with this idea of him potentially starting. And so if he ends up being your, your top swing guy, I think you're in a really good spot. And as far as Ingram, like what about his game, it, you know, is, is better or raises the ceiling. Clausen was mentioned in some of this stuff. It's it's a kid who got on the field right away at LSU. You know, he played on their 2019 uh, title team, played a ton, you know, throughout throughout the rest of his career. Um, he's he's sort of built like this, uh, you know, sort of like a, a, a garbage can in some ways, except yeah. he has really long arms. So he's he's a powerful player. He's decent at movement. You know, we'll see if, if he ends up being able to pick off uh, linebackers consistently in the NFL. Right. But he moves a little bit better for for a straight power guy. And then, the, again, the special sauce thing with him is, is the reach. And I'm guessing that that's one reason why they, they bumped him up a little bit. Ed Ingram touches you before you touch him, and he's a powerful dude. So he, he's typically going to win that rep by controlling guys. 
And it's going to be great because we will see this in action with the Vikings first preseason game this Sunday, 325 against Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Are we excited just to see some sort of purple in action? We can dive more into this on Thursday where you guys can listen to us again uh, before we die on Purple Daily and Score North. But are we excited for preseason, guys? Are we still feeling weird that it's preseason football already? It's here. Let's go. Thoughts? I'm so I'm so excited. Yeah, you know, like the other preseason games I don't watch as much, you know, with, with some of the other team, you know, picking and choosing. But like the Vikings, you're going to watch every single play, you know, in, in some of the games, you're going to rewatch it, you know, two, three times or whatever. I particularly, you know, a couple things for, for this thing. I'm excited to see the way that the new offense looks. I'm excited to see the way that the new defense looks. We haven't had a three, four defense in Minnesota for a super duper long time. We haven't talked as much about that, but I'm going to be really interested to see, you know, how, how that is and everything like that. And I'm also really excited to see some of these young kids, you know, Ingram, um, you know, Louis seen, I'm I'm really excited to see him. Um, And then some of the picks in the middle rounds and the late rounds as well. Jalen Naylor, you know, like I said, that that, that kid's been coming on a lot of positive reports about him. I'm, I'm very curious to see him in game action as well. Thoughts on the first preseason game, stay healthy. And with all preseason games, especially in the NFL, what I love about these games is a good chunk of the players you see on the field are going to make this roster and will contribute, whether that be in a special teams role where they're getting reps on every special teams play, or a lot of these guys, maybe rotational defensive linemen or offensive linemen or a fourth and fifth receiver you will see plenty of guys action in the preseason able to see the game live, but guess what? I will be recording it and I will watch back every play on Sunday night. So no spoilers, <laughs> no spoilers. I cannot promise you any of that. In fact, no I won't spoilers. promise you, you can't, then you can't be on Twitter at all. Be focused on Winnipeg, be focused on your blue bombers. <laughs> That's where Ross is going to be uh, excited for you to do that. I'm excited to hear more about uh, CFL football next week. We'll be focused. Just on driving on Sunday. Yeah, there you go. That's driving fair. home. Yeah, that's focused fair. on being safe. Uh-huh. Well, that's going to do it again, as always now in each and every episode, Before We Die, which our title is appropriately named, we get to list off our Before We Die type of predictions. So, Ross, do you want to kick us off this week? I will start, and I'm going to tell you, Before We Die, the CFL will infiltrate America <laughs> again, and there will be an American Canadian football league team. That is my before we die. I like it. Thor, what do we got? Mine isn't so much a prediction. It's more of a complaint. You know, (laughs) last week you saw the Chaco tacos get canceled, you know, and, and, you know, there, there was a lot of soliloquies and, you know, public stuff about that. People were missing the Chaco taco. What we actually need back is the grilled stuff burrito from Taco Bell. Where that thing disappeared to, I don't know. You know, like I'm looking around for it like Jimmy Hoffa. Why is that grilled stuff burrito not on the Taco Bell menu? It it was their best thing when they had it. Bring back the grilled stuff burrito. You know, as a avid fan of Taco Bell, I support this and I support everything that bring back all of the good stuff on Taco Bell. Bring back all the good foods that we used to have. I don't care what was in it. I don't care how it was made. Just bring it back. It tasted delightful. I would agree with that. I very quickly want to point Point out to all the people up in arms about the Chaco Taco going yeah. away. Newsflash, it wouldn't have gone away if you were actually buying it more than <laughs> once every four or five years. I, I don't feel like the that was the same thing with the grilled it. stuff burrito, though. Like, no. I feel like the grilled stuff burrito <laughs> sold. I, so I don't really know what they're doing with that. And I, I want answers. 
I mean, yeah, weird. I wish now I next week I'm going down the food route because I hadn't even considered the food route. We're going down food route next week. This week I'm going to say before we die, we will see two parades in like one turn of the year, which means two men's professional teams will win championships in the same year. That is my prediction. I'm not even going to name which one because I'll keep it very wide open for myself. But in Minnesota? In Minnesota. It's going to wow. happen. Yep. Wow. I got yeah. I mean, I've I'm hoping to live for another 60 years at least. I'm all in the natty. I'm down. There you go. Okay, you know what? That could count. Exactly. Count it. That would work. Don't, like don't tell my Iowa friends. I graduated grad school there. I don't want to call you out. I saw your Iowa mug and we're gonna have to smash that and never oh, use it again. So yeah. please. Well, I got uh, I got one of these too. Oh, all right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is Before We Die on Purple Daily and Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. This is Ross Brindle, our producer. Uh, thank you to everybody for checking us out. Be sure you subscribe. We will be having episodes every single Monday and Thursday. Sometimes guests will pop in. Sometimes they won't. We're just going to have some fun, talk some Vikings. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Let us know if there's anything that you want to talk about. Love to hear your feedback. Uh, but otherwise, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Let's go.